Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. Here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, I'm talking with author Constance Morrow. She's got a new book out in stores right now. It's titled Bible Stories for Young People, Volume 1. We're going to talk all about this. Constance, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me tonight. Sure. Can you tell me all about Bible Stories for Young People, Volume 1? In 1984, when I was at our church, our church is Antioch Missionary Baptist Church, we had our Sunday school superintendent, and he would like to give outlines to the students. And one of the outlines that he gave out was his view of Bible stories that all young people should be familiar with. Hmm. And for whatever reason, I liked it. I liked what he had, and I kept it. And so I held it for all those years, and that's what I used to base the selection of stories I used to write the book. This is Bible Stories for Young People. Did you have a specific age range in mind? Well, my initial feeling was that I felt that a competent third grader could handle the book. But the publishing company felt that the book was too advanced for a third grader, so they changed the category to juvenile. And that's, I think, about a preteen age group. Constance, once you decided to get working on the book and then putting it through the publishing process, was that a long time? Well, you know, I started handwriting the book in 2007, and I began typing the stories in 2008. So I've just poked along putting this together. You know, 2007 to today is a long time. (laughs) After all that time, what was it like then when you finally got that finished copy, that first physical work in your hands and got to look at it? Well, it really just made me feel that I had to hurry up and get started on volume two. Because if the book gets off the ground, someone may ask, what about volume two? And so it just made me feel that I have to speed up and try to pull volume two together. Do you think volume two will wrap it up for you, or are you thinking more even beyond that? No. You know, I divided the stories from the superintendent's outline into four groups of 14 stories. Hmm. So really, I have to do four volumes of 14 stories each. So I've only completed the first volume. I have not completed the second. I've done a little bit of work on the second volume. But there will be 14 Bible stories within each volume. Do you have a background in this kind of thing, Constance? Have you ever written or published before this? There's a, um, I don't know what kind of organization. I think I submitted some short stories to a local Chicago organization. I don't even recall the name of it, but I've never published a book. So this is the first time I've published a book. Mm. Now that you've published, what's the most rewarding aspect of knowing that, knowing that you've produced this and your work is out there for the world now? Well, I'm hoping that 
You know, I hear that young people don't read as much as they previously did. They're using phones and things like that. They're not really reading books. But I'm hoping that maybe some Christian schools or young people who are trying to start their spiritual life, I'm really hoping that they will pick up the book and enjoy it and get what I'm hoping they'll get out of it. So my goal is to try to hopefully reach some of the Christian schools. Mm. Constance, did you have people around you in your life who knew that you were doing this and they could be there to encourage you and support you along the way? Well, (laughs) I only have my husband, but he was supportive in the sense that he's an excellent cook. So Mm, that's important. He always made sure I had, you know, my dinner and just healthy food and just time to be alone and be, you know, freedom. He didn't interfere with what I was trying to do. I think a lot of readers are really going to love this book. It's titled Bible Stories for Young People, Volume 1. It's written by Constance Morrow, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can get it everywhere, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Constance, it's been really nice chatting with you here tonight. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you very much. I'd like to welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, author Albert Kluss. Albert, thank you for joining me tonight. Oh, great. My pleasure. Thank you for uh, inviting me. Well, it's great to have you here. There's a new book out in stores right now that you have out. It's called USA, Greatest Invention, Modern Direct Democracy. Can you tell me about the book? Yes. I studied our political system and examined it, and then I invented a new political system. Hmm. It took me about eight years to figure out. One reason why I invented it was because when I went to college to study political sciences, my professor was teaching us the different political systems, and he says one of them is direct democracy. And I asked him, why don't we have direct democracy? And he says, because USA voters are idiots. And I got so offended by that. I says, we got a political system where the voters could actually be Congress, and you're saying that the voters are idiots? And he was responsible for Democrat Party that he promoted. So anybody who went against the Democrat Party, he would just not talk. If we had a conversation within college, he would just stop the person who initiated the conversation. But I was there specifically to learn the political system. And then any problems within the political system, I took out. I'm a political scientist, which means that I invented a new political system. And basically, the political system is where the voters vote directly on policy. They do what Congress does from a phone app. And then the voters get paid a salary, so they're included within the budget. So it's empowering all the voters. And then they help with the policy, with the committees. I'm running for president in 2024 for independent party. And all the voters are my cabinet. So it's basically going to be a phone app where each voter is going to get the phone app. And if you don't know how to use it, you could just go to the library and they show you how to use it. They're going to do everything that Congress does from the phone app. They vote from the phone. And what I did was went to actually three different community colleges, took all the political science courses and got A's. I was on the honor roll and I studied criminal justice, psychology, 33 different subjects where I was on the honor roll. I never got a grade under a B and they mostly were all A's in 33 different subjects. And it took me eight years to figure out the new system, and it took me five months to write it, write the book. Mm. 
What advice would you have, Albert, for people listening? They haven't written a book before, but they want to get their first one out there. Do you have any words of wisdom? Basically, on a book, you have to know about something. And a book is just explaining what your interests are. My interest was I wanted to invent a new political system. Every single person I talked to told me there's no way you could do that. It's impossible, which gave me the motivation to not give up and try harder and take more courses and study it more. The more people shoot you down, the more you have to fight for whatever the book, the subject that you want to write and study it and know it inside and out, accept criticism mm. in a positive way, a positive light, instead of saying, hey, you know, if somebody gives you uh, criticism, don't give up. Just look at what they're saying and try to come up with an answer to what they're saying and compliment them and discuss what your point of view is and respect their point of view, even though they're trying to shoot you down and say, hey, that can't be done. You have to prove to them that it can be done and then explain how it can be done. So basically, any author of any subject can write any really any book if they know and learn, learn the subject, and they just want to convey to the readers what the point of the book is and the subject matter. That's how you begin the process writing your book. It's great advice, Albert. I know a lot of people out there are going to be interested in picking this book up. It's called USA Greatest Invention, Modern Direct Democracy. This is written by Albert Kluss, and it's published by Fulton Books. You can find it everywhere, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Albert, thank you again for coming on the show here and telling me all about your work. I hope we can talk again soon. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Have a good day. It's a love of adventure and life. In the new book, it's written by Kimberly Hoffman, titled Grandpa Paul, the River Pirate. Kimberly is right here with me now. We're going to chat all about it. Kim, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. You bet. Can you tell me all about Grandpa Paul, the River Pirate? I can. So the main character is my late husband. He passed away in 2020 from COVID. Oh, I'm sorry. And he's the inspiration behind the book, with the purpose of the book being a way to healing the heart of not only myself, but my family. Hmm. Couldn't have been an easy book to write, I could imagine, Kim. What was the spark that inspired you to write this and publish it? I've always been a writer by nature. I do much better writing words versus verbalizing words. Mm. So I took a 30-day writing class from Megan Devine. It allowed me the healing process that I needed. Mm. As a writer, that's how, I, that's how I do it. I put my feelings out on paper. I thought if I could write a story that would tell about his life, you know, some of the fun times of his life, that it would not only serve as a remembrance, but also allow the future generations of our family know who he was. Kim, what kinds of readers do you think would really connect with Grandpa Paul, the River Pirate? I think it's a family story. It's a family book. Mm. That's behind what we're trying to do here. So the book is part of the Storytellers Foundation. We started a foundation that is supporting those that have lost loved ones through stories. Because I believe stories keep the name of the individuals who have passed alive. Mm. I heard, I can't remember where I heard it, whether it was from Megan Devine or somebody else, but I heard once that a person dies twice. The first is a physical death, and the second time they die is the last time their name is spoken. Mm. So it's our intention to always have those that we serve. It's our intention to never have their name spoken the last time through these books. Wow, what a wonderful cause. 
Have you ever done anything like this before, Kim? Have you ever written a book? Have you ever been published? I've never been published. I've always been a writer. I write for work, which is about groceries. (laughs) (laughs) I've always been a writer and I've always put my feelings down on paper. It's just much easier for me to do that versus, like I said, verbalizing it. Did Grandpa Paul take you a long time to write then put through the whole publishing thing? I've been working on it about a year and a half. Writing the book actually took only about three to four months, so it didn't take all too long. I had to mull it over in my head for a while to figure out what direction I wanted to take it, obviously, which is kind of my process in writing. You know, I start with, here's what I want to write about, and then I just kind of ponder it for several days, and I try to find that first catchphrase of the book and then build from there. Kim, I can only imagine the moment you finally got that first physical copy in of Grandpa Paul. You got to hold it and look at it for the first time. Can you tell me about that? Very surreal. A very long year and a half, but I worked with some some great people. You know, as a first-time publisher, I really have or had no clue what I was doing. <laughs> I worked with some great editors, and my illustrator, Suzanne Beeky, was a godsend. She collaborated with me as she was illustrating. She gave me a couple of additional ideas. And then my daughter, my youngest daughter, Alyssa, she was extremely supportive. She's a creative in her own right, has her own graphic design business that supports women. And, you know, I got stuck a couple of times trying to figure out what direction to take the book. And I just reached out to her and said, here's what I need. And she zipped back in an email a couple of ideas for me. And I just take those ideas and run with them. Kim, now, do you have any advice, any words of wisdom for people listening right now who are authors just starting out? They want to get that first book out, too. I have learned that to be a writer, you have to have experiences to support your writing. Mm. So while, you know, I'm turning 56 here in a couple of months, and I've considered myself always a writer, I've not really had the experience to be an author, a published author. So the more experience you have in life in general, I think the better writer you become. Hmm. I think a lot of readers, a lot of families are going to love this book, and it's a great cause. Thank you, Kim, for all your work that you're doing. The title of this is Grandpa Paul, the River Pirate. Of course, it's written by Kimberly Hoffman, and it's published by Fulton Books. You can find it everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Kim, again, thank you for joining me here and telling me all about your work and the great cause that you have. I hope we get to talk again sometime. Thanks so much, Corey. I appreciate it. This next book just might prove the expression that fact can be stranger than fiction. It's called A Compilation of 33 Incredible Stories, and the author, Marsden Carrington Cray, is right here with me now to talk all about it. Marsden, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate you being here. Can you tell me all about your book, a compilation of 33 incredible stories? Yeah, I had an unusual life. It was quite ubiquitous. I've lived all over the world, went to 10 different schools, 1 through 12, went to Clemson University, BYU, and also uh, University of California, San Francisco. I also went to nuclear reactor school at the Tri-Cities in Washington. And with all my exposure to everybody, to cultures, religions, positions, military officers, my dad was a, a military physician for 30 years. Anyway, I have heard stories and seen things that were really quite incredible. And I've divided it up into four parts. 
in the table of contents, the first part, spiritual and paranormal, then it's medical madness, and then military mishaps, and then the last bit is fantastic experiences. And half of the things that I talk about in the book, I've experienced personally. And the other half has come from reliable sources. Like the first story came from my grandmother's genealogical records, and it's an unbelievable story. Mm. And it's probably the longest story. All my stories are about two to three pages long. They're really short. The first one is probably the longest. The next longest one would be the Wolfpack Christmas and Fantastic Experiences. And in in that story, you can't read it without crying. There's never been a woman that's been able to read that story without crying. Mm. Would you say this is a good book for a general audience, a lot of different people? It would be. Teenagers, elderly, you know, everybody has a story in their life that's incredible, you know, that's hard to believe. And uh, I've come up with 33 because of the different experiences that I've been exposed to. Hmm. They're just really unbelievable, and they're all true. That's the part that makes it more fascinating, actually. Marsden, what sparked you to collect your stories and publish them? Well, I was lying in bed one night, and I was thinking of all these things that I've experienced and seen. I thought, I ought to write this down for my posterity so they'll kind of know what I went through, you know, in life. And then after I started writing it, then the idea came to me, you know what, maybe I ought to let everybody know. So that that kind of was what inspired me. And my cousin was an English major, and she was the one that typed it up for me, rough draft, and then it was edited by uh, Newman Springs Publishing and stuff, and it, and it turned out really neat. Hmm. I'm really proud of how it turned out. Was that a long process for you from when you started writing them until you got it published? It was. The longest process was when I gave her my rough draft that I wrote. It took her about six months to type in. It's not a, it's not a long book. I think it's about 120 pages. But she did it kind of in the evenings on her own time when she had time and stuff. Then when I got it back, then there's the process of editing it and then getting it printed out and stuff. It was probably about close to a year by the time it was actually published for sale. Can you tell me about that moment then when you got that first hard copy in, you got to hold it for the first time? Oh, that was really exciting because I've never published a book before. This is my first one. Mm. I'm thinking of publishing some children's stories because I've got about four or five stories that I tell my grandkids, and they love them better than the Three Little Pigs or the Red Riding Hood. And then I've got an art major granddaughter that could do the illustrations. I'm thinking of doing that next, but we'll see how this one turns out. So, yeah, this was the first one that I did, and it was really exciting. I bet you learned an awful lot along the way of publishing your first book, Marsden. So do you have advice for people who are just starting out as well? Well, there's a lot of publishers you can get with and stuff. And I found that the Newman Springs Publishing helped me the most and was the least expensive of all of them. What you need to do is find a publishing company that will work with you, you know, at every step of the way, and they'll guide you how to do it. If you do that, it will happen. You'll be able to get your book published. I think a lot of people are really going to love this book and should check it out. It's called A Compilation of 33 Incredible Stories. It's written by Marsden Carrington Cray and is published by Newman Springs Publishing. You can find it everywhere, of course, like Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Marsden, thanks again for joining me here tonight and telling me all about these incredible stories. I hope we get to talk again soon. Oh, thank you. Our Journey to the Stars. This is the new book in Stores Now, written by C.A. Carell, 
and he's right here with me now. We're going to talk all about it. C.A., welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. I really appreciate you being here with me. Well, thank you, sir. Absolutely. Can you tell me all about your new book, Our Journey to the Stars? It's a story about young people who uh, discover a uh, alien spacecraft that it crashes on Earth, and they take control of it and end up going off into space, into Mars, other planets, all the way past the solar system into, into the stars. Mm. Sounds like a book for sci-fi fans, is that right? It is for sci-fi fans, yes, sir. C.A., what gave you the idea for this one? Well, I have often, you know, been a sci-fi fan, and I enjoy all of the other space adventures that I have viewed and just put myself in the place of some of them and thought that how exciting it would be to do something like that. And so I just decided to uh, write down on paper what I had often thought about. Mm, so this is the first time you've written and published. Yes, it is. Congratulations. Did this take you a long time to do, both write it and then actually put through the whole publishing process? Yes, sir. It took several years. What did you find to be the most challenging part of the whole thing? Probably the editing part was very troubling, yes. Hmm. And do you think there might be a sequel to this, or do you plan on maybe writing some other books in the future? There is a sequel to this book. It's almost complete and, and ready to start the process of editing. I hope that that will be within the near future. Fantastic. And I do plan on some other books later on. C.A., like you know, a lot of hard work. A lot of time goes into writing a book and then putting it through that publishing process. So when you finally got the first physical copy in of Our Journey to the Stars, what was that moment like for you? Well, that was quite a ordeal. My family enjoyed the thought, and I was pretty thrilled myself about having a book. Mm -hmm. While you were writing this and publishing it, editing it, everything, were there people in your life who knew you were doing this and they were there to kind of back you up and keep you going? Yes. I had neighbors that I would give copies of parts of the, of the writing to to get their feedback. They seemed to enjoy that. Hmm. C.A., what do you do when you would get writer's block? Or maybe you just didn't know where to go with the story next. How do you get through the tough challenges when you write? Well, there was times during the pandemic I had a lot of time on my hand, and sometimes I actually went two or three weeks without writing anything. Hmm. And then I would have a spell where I might write four or five days in a row. What advice would you have now for people who are also just starting out in this? Well, my advice would be to just continue and hope that the process would be complete and to launch out. What's the most rewarding part of being published now, knowing that your work is out there for the world, C.A.? Well, the most part of that would be that people seem to be surprised that you would do something like that at your age. Being uh, 73, they probably thought, well, why didn't you do it earlier? <laughs> <laughs> the cover is very important, C.A. Can you tell me about what kind of thought you put into your cover? I think the cover is fairly well done. I thought the uh, art design was quite good, and so it made a pretty cover for the book. While you were writing Our Journey to the Stars, did you have an outline for it? Did you know how it was going to end, or did you start with an idea and just kind of go with it from there? I had an idea and just went from there. I did have an idea where it would end, so I tried to get to that destination. 
And did you find yourself writing at a specific time, maybe first thing in the morning or last thing at night? Or did you find yourself writing whenever you would get the ideas? Most of the time it was at night, late at night. Hmm. I encourage my listeners to check out this book. It's called Our Journey to the Stars. It's written by C.A. Correll and is published by Newman Springs Publishing. Of course, you can find it everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, C.A., I really appreciate you coming on the show tonight, telling me about our journey to the stars, and I hope we get to talk again sometime. Thank you, sir. We appreciate your time. Threefold Chord, Creation, Redemption, Dominion. That's the new book. It just hit stores, and it's written by Michael P. Hayes. I'm really happy that Michael is right here with me now to tell me all about it. Michael, welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Corey. It is a pleasure and an honor. Well, it's my pleasure to have you here, Michael. Can you tell me what readers can expect in Threefold Chord? So many people are struggling with what to believe, and so I wanted to give some answers. More than just opinions, but I try to document stuff logically and philosophically and theologically that they are firm things that people can believe. Hmm. Who are you writing this to, Michael? Did you have a target readership in mind? Who's ever interested in, in learning more, becoming established in truth, as well as critics, because I'm hoping to create dialogue. How long of a process was this for you, Michael, from when you first started writing it until it hit store shelves? It's been an easy five years, mm. and I started thinking about it three years before that, and before that, it's been 40 years in development. Wow. Is this the first time you've written a book or been published, Michael? Yes, sir. This is the first time. I had had an article published 20 years ago. It's a huge accomplishment to write a book and publish it. So what was that like when you finally got that first hard copy in? You got to hold it for the first time. I was absolutely thrilled. And at the same time, there's responsibility that I've put out something that people can also hold in their hands. Mm. So it's very exciting. What are the chances that we'll be seeing more books from you in the future? I've got more. I'm even working on a second edition, hmm. but there's smaller, more topical things I can write about. I really like the nonfiction. I want to offer something that will help people. Hmm. Michael, we have a lot of people listening to us right now who are authors just starting out. They haven't published yet. Do you have any words of wisdom for them? Well, the first thing is getting started. Hmm. Just start getting stuff down, writing it down, making notes, and then build an outline of what you want to say on the big picture. For me, the ideas and the outline sort of grew up together. Mm. Michael, were there people in your life that knew you were doing this, writing a book, getting it published, and they could be there to encourage and maybe motivate you along the way? There were a few people. There weren't very many. My brother had written a book, and so he was had suggestions and ways and kind of some editing things that he contributed. I gave out copies, rough drafts to people. So when it kind of got to the place where it was about halfway done, I wanted people to start critiquing what I was doing. Hmm. Michael, as you know, a lot of time and hard work goes into this kind of thing. So what's the most rewarding aspect to you of now being a published author? Probably just that. It's, I've, got, I've put something out there 
since I have no idea what it is to give birth, I, all I can do is imagine that this <laughs> is about the next best thing that it took a long time, mm. and I've been thinking about it for a very long time. Michael, do you ever get anything like writer's block, or you get stumped for ideas when you're writing, and then how do you get through that? You know, this has not been a problem over the last about seven years. I collected 5,000 notes. Mm. Most of them never went in the book. And there hasn't been a how to say it sometimes. has been how to say what I wanted to say. But as far as content goes, there's been no shortage of content. Write, get every note, still travel a lot. And so I have this little note taker. And so I can speak my notes. And then when I get to the hotel or whatever, then I can write them down in a notebook and collect those. And there's all kinds of random thoughts. So there's never a shortage for ideas. That's a, that was probably one of the biggest things that helped me is just having thousands of notes to draw from. Well, if you think you're lost in this increasingly chaotic world, then this book just might be for you. It's called Threefold Chord, Creation, Redemption, Dominion. This is written by Michael P. Hayes and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Michael, it was really great talking with you here tonight. Thank you again for joining me here on the show. Thank you, Corey. Uh, just thank Jesus for every step of the way on this thing. Joining me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Dora Imus. Dora, thank you for being here tonight. My pleasure. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to have you here. There's a new book you've written, and it's out in stores right now. The title is My Name is Daniel. This is part of the Our Values series. So, Dora, can you tell me about this? My book is actually for children and for parents. This book about a family of cats. Why I'm saying for parents and for children? Because it's for children, they can learn from the book about using polite and kind words. Mm. How important it is to be kind with any family, with parents and grandparents. And why for, why for parents? Because they will see the easiest way how to teach their children about respect and family relationships. I think it's very important. Absolutely is important. So how did you get the idea for using the story of the cats to teach children? <laughs> I thought that this is easiest way for children to get these messages through the cats. <laughs> My book is very nice, illustrated, and it's nice to hold it and to have in a family. Absolutely. Have you ever done anything like this before, or is this the first time you've written and published? It's my first time. Oh, congratulations. Was this something that took you a long time to do then? Actually, yes. It took one year. It's a long process. Of course, I would like that it would be faster, but I'm very happy that it's published. And my goal is now that this book will get the children and to the families and the parents can read the books to the children. Dora, when you finally got the first physical copy of My Name is Daniel in, and you got to hold it in your hands and look at it for the first time, what was that moment like? I was very happy. It's like my child. 
I spent a lot of time, energy, money to get my book, and I had my thought to send this message to the kind Mbalai in a family to the children, and so I was able to do this, and it's done. I'm happy about this. Now, this is in the Our Values series, so I'd assume you have more books planned out. So looking ahead, what are your plans? You know, I have one more, uh, more book. It's in process of publishing and also four more books. But I would like to tell, if I can, what the reason why I started to write this book. So I was working many years in downtown of Chicago, and I saw many young children outside. They on the street. It was very painful. And I thought, how can I help? Yes, in this situation. Hmm. I mean, I make my career. My children, they are already adults. So I decided to spend my time, energy, and it costs actually a lot of money. I want to send the message to young children and the parents how to raise children in the right way. So I started with the way to write books. Dora, a lot of our listeners right now are authors who are just starting out. So do you have any advice that you could offer them? Yes. I think that it's good to work very hard and to send some information what is useful for the people. And I'm sure if you will send good information, positive, what will be useful for other people and your goals, and you will be happy by holding in your hands your published book, yes. Well, I think a lot of children, parents, grandparents, and more are really going to be encouraged and helped by this book. The title is My Name is Daniel. It's part of the Our Values series, and it's written by Dora Imus. You can find this everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. And this is published by Fulton Books. Well, Dora, it's been wonderful chatting with you here tonight at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thanks again for joining me. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. And it's the best in our lives to have joy from the children. You cannot buy it for any money. You just get it for hard work, for our hard work. So thank you so much. Really happy right now to be sitting down with author Howard King here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Howard, thank you for joining me here tonight. Oh, man, the pleasure's all mine. Thank you for having me. Well, it's great to have you here. You got a new book out in stores. It's really exciting. The title is The Principles, A Pathway to a Happier Life. Can you tell me all about this? Well, it's actually, the book is talking about uh, living through and by the spiritual principles. These are things that we have in us every day we wake up. As every day we wake up with life, but we are connected to these principles. It's impossible to disconnect from them because they're of God. Mm. So we have them with us. And we share them too, believe it or not. Because, you know, when you talk to your mom and you deal with your mom and your family, you love her, you love your dad, you love your sisters and your brothers. I'm just talking about sharing that same love with everybody. So, Howard, how did the idea for this come about? How did you decide to write this book? Actually, to me, it was through a conversation I had with God. Mm-hmm. I was in, and it was for years I've been in the street. I ran the street for years, doing a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And I promised God that I was going to carry his message one day if he let me live long enough. <laughs> and I'm 62 years old, 
And I said, you know what? I'm out the street. It's time to do something. It's time to leave a message. Because they say that we have to leave this place better than it was when we got here. So this is my attempt to leave it better than it was when I got here. Hmm. And based off of what I see on the cover, Howard, you definitely are living a happier life now. You certainly look joyful there. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That was actually a picture I, I took. I was in a, a Florida visiting family a few years ago. And as we were strolling through the looking for a picture to put up there, I looked at it. I was like, oh, man, you can't get a better picture than that. And so that's what I used. Howard, what kinds of readers do you think would be really into the principles? Well, I'm, I tell you what, I believe for, for me, to me, I believe there's a message in there for adults and there's a message in there for youngsters. This is some easy, good reading. It's one of them books that you could take home and put it on the table. And if your 10-year-old niece pick it up or your 10-year-old daughter pick it up, you wouldn't mind her reading it. Mm. And if your 80-year-old grandpa picked it up, you wouldn't mind her reading it. So you could, it's readable from, from ages 7 to 70 and 8 to 80. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. I believe that the youngsters can really get a message out of there because I'm talking about, there's a portion in there, I'm talking about consequential thinking. And I did a little bit of reading on consequential thinking, man, and I'm understanding. I say, whoa, this is pretty good. And then I, I talk about our emotional garden. Our emotional garden is things that we pick up through our life course, what shapes and molds the way we think and the way we move, you know, our emotional garden. And if we, if we get our information from the street, then our emotional garden is going to be probably full of a lot of weeds, you know what I mean? So we got to keep the emotional garden groomed. I believe that a lot of youngsters will get something out of there. Or I think every student, every student ought to read this book between the ages of 13 and, and, and 18. Mm. And Howard, you certainly found a good publisher. Fulton Books published this one. What was it like then, the moment you got that first hard copy and you got to hold it and look at it for the first time? Oh, man, it was, it was you know, but believe it or not, man, for a fella that never finished school, it was kind of big for me, you know. Mm. I taught myself to read in the state penitentiary. Wow. When I was uh, 18 years old, I taught myself how to read. I started reading a lot of Donald Goins books. So I never, I don't have no schooling. Wow. My grammar was not good at all, so I definitely had to find somebody that could turn what I wrote into a good reading, so to speak. <laughs> That was huge for me, you know, and I, I just wish that my mom was still around because she could see the accomplishment. Wow, Howard, what an inspirational life story you have. What advice would you have for people who also have a story to tell? They might be listening right now. They want to write their first book. What advice would you have to get them started? Oh, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't stop. As long as you wake up in the morning and you have breath in your body, you have all the tools you need to get it done. So don't stop. I started right, believe it or not, that's not a big book. And I started that book somewhere around 2010. And now look, it's 2022 and now come it out. So don't stop whatever you do. So, you know, I had a couple of hiccups in there, but I got it done. So now I'm thinking about the next one I want to write. You know, people keep asking me, am I going to write my life story? Am I going to write my life story? But I think that the lessons that I learned through my life story is more important than my life story. And that's what you have with the principles. I know this book is certainly going to inspire a lot of readers out there. And I encourage everyone listening now to check this one out. The title is The Principles, A Pathway to a Happier Life. It's written by Howard King, and it's published by Fulton Books. You can find this one everywhere, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Howard, it's certainly been wonderful talking with you today. Thank you so much for telling me about where you've come from and what you're doing now, and I hope we can talk soon. Thank you. I do as well. 
Loving God is the new book by Deborah Tarver Waters that says it takes readers on a spiritual odyssey, exploring God's love for us and our love for Him. Deborah is sitting right here with me now to tell me all about it. Deborah, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for inviting me. It's my pleasure. Can you tell me all about your book, Loving God? Well, my book, Loving God, is all about truly loving the living God. I guess the thing about my ministry is truly loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength, which is the way to really love Him and to know that God is real. And the experiences that I had growing up in the church and not really believing that God was real, I just went to church because my mama made me go. Mm. But in the process, I learned more about Him. My last chapter of the book is Loving God Through Suffering. One might ask if both Christians and non-Christians suffer, why should we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior? And the reason is because earth is not our home. Eventually, either heaven or hell is our eternal destination. By accepting Jesus, our Lord and Savior here on earth now, we're guaranteed to a place in heaven then. Suffering here on earth is awful. Why would you want to live eternity in hell? Heaven and hell are real, just like God is real. And if you look around wherever you are, whether you're inside or out, Look at the buildings, the streets, the pavements, restaurants, libraries, schools, laundromats, street lamps, automobiles, windows and glass, and all that. All of that is man-made. And if you're at home, if you look at your rooms, your television, beds, appliances, curtains, blinds, and sheets, and dishes, and everything like that was made by someone. The question is, or becomes, who made the stuff we make things out of? It couldn't just appear no more than the things inside or outside our homes just appeared. There must be a God somewhere. So riddle me this. How can someone who existed before anything ever existed create everything that does exist from nothing that ever existed before? There must be a God somewhere. How did you get the idea to write this book? What persuaded you to sit down and publish it? Actually, it comes from a variety of sermons that I had written over the course of the last, what, 15, 20 years. I always just write out all of my sermons. It's just easier for me, and that's the way the Lord works for me. Mm. And so while I was a minister on staff at New Hope Missionary Baptist Church under the pastorship of uh, Dr. Robert Fairley, I noticed that I was having a series, Loving God Through Obedience, Part 1 and 2, Loving God Through Prayer 1 and 2, some of the chapters in the book. And I even mentioned one time when I was preaching, I think I got a series going on. (laughs) But that was many, many years ago. And so as time progressed, I had all these sermons, and then all of a sudden the Lord just, you know, I just decided, well, the Lord helped me decide to put it in a book. Would you say this is primarily a church-going audience then that you were writing to with this? I think that I was preaching to a church-going audience, but I want this book to be more for people. I don't really want to church church folk. I want to touch the hearts of those who might be on the cusp of really believing whether God is who he says he is or not because Mm. of the things that they've witnessed or seen by the church. And so I just want to give my testimony as someone having grown up in the church and not really believing that God is who he says he is and how I really became to know the living God and want to give anyone that's just kind of right on the cusp a reason why they should believe through my own life's experience. Mm. Deborah, is this your first venture into the realm of publishing? Yes, it is my first book. I've always wanted to write a book because I love to read, mostly fiction, but I just love to read. And I've always wanted to write a book. And I said, well, you know, I want to write a book, but I don't think I know enough about anything to write a really good book. And the Lord said, you know a lot about me. I'm like, oh, 
I do know a little something, something about you. <laughs> and so I started using the sermons and I wrote the book. Wow. What was it like then when you finally got that first hard copy in, got to hold it for the first time, Deborah? What was that moment like for you? That moment for me was like, wow, <laughs> I really wrote a book. My name is on it. And if you look at the back, oh, there I am. My picture is on it. And it's my life story. And someone thought it was good enough to put it to a book. <laughs> so I was just excited. Mm. Do you have any advice that you could offer to those listening right now who are authors just starting out, just about to publish their first book? Trust the Lord, especially if you're a Christian, trust the Lord. Mm. Writing, I believe, is a gift. And if he has gifted you, just go for it. Make a few minutes each day and start writing. And then usually when I write, once I start writing, all of a sudden it just begins to flow. And sometimes when I come out of my flow, I'm like almost surprised of what I have written because I know that the Holy Spirit begins to write through me. I cannot do anything. I can't preach. I can't write a sermon. I can't write a book without the Holy Spirit, without the assistance of the Holy Spirit. Mm. I know a lot of people are going to be blessed by this book. The title is Loving God. It's written by Deborah Tarver Waters, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Deborah, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show here today. Thank you so much again for joining me. Thank you for inviting me. This book looks to help readers become more in tune with God. It's titled, God Speaks, To Me, Through Me, For Me. It's written by Junior A. Rhodes, and Junior is right here with me now to chat with me all about it. Junior, thank you for being here. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, sir. It's my pleasure. Can you tell me what readers are in store for in God Speaks? Well, readers are in store for a wonderful read. Each person will understand that God speaks directly to us individually. And that is something that I would want my readers to understand, because especially in our day when there is so much noise in terms of, quote-unquote, that God speaks to this person, this huge character, as though the ordinary, regular Christian, even unbeliever, God doesn't speak to them. You have to have a title. You have to have this or that for God to speak to you. Mm. But my book will point that out, that God has been speaking from creation. God still speaks to us in so so many different ways. He speaks to dream both the converted and to the unconverted person. Did you have a certain group of readers in mind that you were writing to, or was this more of a general audience? It's a general audience, both to the Christian and non-Christian group. And about how long were you working on this, Junior? Did this take you a long time to write and then get published? I've been thinking about it and putting my thoughts together for over a year. And in terms of writing, it took almost a couple months to write the book because I've been writing down my thoughts and putting my thoughts. And then I'm the kind of writer that once I begin to write and things begin to flow, I just continue to flow into the work. What was that inspiration that started you writing? What gave you the idea to start putting your thoughts down and then making a book? I was in prayer one day, and it was my morning devotion. I was really talking to God in terms of hearing from Him, speaking and speaking to my congregation. Hmm. And uh, that thought just came to me, God speaks, and He speaks to me 
through me, for me. So God will speak directly to that individual. And whatever he wishes to say to you, he will speak to you. I needed to speak to my congregation also and for them to understand. I wanted to connect with them and bring that word across, a fresh word across. And that morning, that word came to me. So it's, it's really out of that experience. And then I shared it with my congregation. And after that, I just maintained that thought that I have to go. I have to share this with the world, not just a small audience. Mm. Junior, is this your first published work? Yes. Congratulations. What was that like the day you got the first hard copy of God Speaks and you got to hold it and look at it for the first time? What was that like? It was just an amazing experience. Mm. Just an experience that to hold something tangible, you understand me, the cover of it is just beautiful. And then just to begin to read my own work, that was an experience I'll never forget. Mm. Can we expect more books from you then in the future? Most definitely. Most definitely. I have something working through. I like to work things through before I start writing. That's just how I am. A lot of hard work, a lot of energy goes into something like writing and publishing a book, as you well know, Junior. So for you, what's the most rewarding aspect of it all? The most rewarding is that I have something I gave my granddaughter, I have an eight-year-old granddaughter, I have 11 grandkids. Wow. I gave her one of the first book, mm. first set of book that reached my hand. I gave it to her. I want to leave something tangible with my grandkids and other people. I know a lot of people are going to be blessed by this book. The title is God Speaks To Me, Through Me, For Me. It's written by Junior A. Rhodes, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can pick this up everywhere, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Junior, thank you again for being here on the show and telling me all about your work. I hope we can speak again soon. Thank you so much, and the Lord bless you. Have a wonderful day. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first. 